Well, hello everyone and welcome to episode 14 of Switch of Play with myself, Mark Simpson, and once again, hello, Mickey Barron. Good evening, Mark. Uh, good evening, everyone else. Uh, first of all, can I, I'd like to say congratulations, Mark, on your new job. I am so, honestly so thrilled that you've got a job, and especially a job back in football where you should be working, because I, I know people say we have mates, and, but you are fantastic at what you do, and I'm, I, I'm so happy when I got that message today saying that you got a new job. So congratulations from everyone um, that knows you, really. So well done. Do you want to uh, speak, yeah. speak a little bit about it or tell us a little yes, bit? Yes, I or? can, yeah. I mean, I, I, I spoke to them. I've been down there today, actually. Just got back about half an hour ago from, from Barrow, and um, it's, a, it's a lovely club. Um, obviously, they've gone into the Football League, and, and it's a big step up for them. And media-wise, they wanted, uh, you know, that little bit of extra experience on that side. So... You know, it's fallen quite lucky for me in that way. Um, it's going to be strange probably being uh, in charge of media at a different club from Hartlepool, but I'm really, yeah, looking, yeah. Forward, really looking forward to it. They're lovely people. It's a lovely club. It's on the up. Uh, they've got some good players and a, a, a good outlook this season. Um, straight away, some... They've got a friendly tomorrow at Blackpool, so I'm straight away oh, going to my first game of football for a while, so I'm, I'm buzzing. Fantastic. You have to learn all the players' names and numbers. And... <laughs> oh, no, I'll be getting that wrong for the first few weeks, won't I? I'll be getting trouble. <laughs> But it's, it's like it's it's like a project, isn't it? It's almost like the the, the new into the football league, yeah. and and hopefully they can build on the success they've had, and and you can be part of that and, and help create that as well. So it's exciting times. Well, absolutely, it's a brand new website and everything to look forward to down there. So it's a bit of a project, something to get my teeth into because it's been a strange few months with you know very little to do to be honest. So I'm looking forward to being busy again. And Luke James is there as well, so that makes it all the better. Yeah, yeah. So it's always nice when you go somewhere and there's a friendly face. Or if you're ever on a course or a, something like that and you yeah. walk in, you know someone, it's always a lot easier. So and, and to have someone like Luke down there who's so bubbly and enthusiastic will be, will be brilliant for you. Are you going to make it through the, the podcast tonight, though? Because I'm hearing you've had a <laughs> tiring weekend away. Yeah, we've been camping. Um, so <laughs> we've had three nights near Scarborough in a tent. And um, I've had a few beers to try and get to sleep, but uh, last night was pretty, pretty bad because uh, the rain was coming into the tent and that, this, that and the other. So uh, hopefully it'll, it'll not be a marathon one like uh, Craig's last week. Because, <laughs> I mean, it was so interesting listening to Craig and, and especially about his injury and stuff like that. And I think the feedback from the Hartlepool fans, and it was quite nice to see some of them actually apologise and say, look, yeah. We probably treat, treat you a little bit harshly and, and want to find out the actual facts of what's going on. And, and I think it was nice for him to get it off his chest as well. So um, I thought it was really, it was a long episode last week, but it was, it was really in-depth and there was some really stuff that you can get your teeth into. And, and uh, Craig was really honest, I thought, and he came across very well. And tonight's guest, Tommy Miller, um, a man you know pretty well. He was, he was in the team, sort of breaking through in the team when you came to Hartlepool. You know, back all those years ago, didn't he? Yeah, he was. He was. He was a young lad, but he had enormous amounts of talent. Um, real good energy. His fitness levels were great. But as a footballer, um, really special footballer, and someone that, and I played with a charity match with him last year, and he can still do it. He can play from midfield, round the corner into strikers, and follow it, and and join in and get goals. And um, he was, he was brilliant to play with, he, um, but he was too good for our team and, and he was, he, watching him, I used to actually enjoy watching him play, you know, he was one of those players that, um, he was just, as I said, he was just too good for our team in that division and, and, and rightly deserved his moves when he went to Ipswich. I started at Hartlepool the, the year after he'd left, so I, I kind of, he's one of the players I wish I'd seen in his prime like that, you know, because yeah. yeah, I saw him down the line, but I know just how good he was as a as a goal-scoring midfielder for Hartlepool. So, I'm looking you've forward to hearing it from his point of view tonight. Yeah, you've got to remember as well, that team he went to at Ipswich was a good team. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It had some good players in that team and um, they were a good team and, and he went at a young age and, and played in that team as well. So, it just shows you how how good his ability was as well. But good thing is with Tommy, he's a good guy as well. He's, he likes a laugh, he likes a joke. And, um, yeah, he'll be, he'll, hopefully he'll be good fun tonight. Well, welcome to Switcher Play, Tommy Miller. Tommy, good evening, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, lads. How are you doing? All right? Yeah, evening, Tommy. Nice to see you. Looking well? See ya. Oh, don't know about that. Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. I was, just saying 
I was just saying to Simo in that charity match where he played that you should still be playing. You were that fit yeah. and that good still. You should still be playing. Uh, if you'd have seen it the next year, mate, I think you'd disagree. <laughs> like, I was a bit stiff. <laughs> you're out running all the time, though, aren't you? You're like a one hour 30 marathon, man, a half marathons and that, aren't you? Ah, I like me running. I like me running. I tend to do, um, try and do 8K nearly every other day. So try and keep yourself nice and fit. Right? It's a bit like me. <laughs> and me. <laughs> um, how's, how's lockdown been treating you then, Tommy? How, how's it been for you? You know, we ask this every week of people and it's, it's interesting to hear everyone's version. Yeah, it's been, obviously, you do lots of stuff around the house. You know, you get your garden sorted out and you, then you're doing your jobs inside and it's um, it's boring. But you just got to get on with it, haven't you? It's, it's one of them things and you never thought it would happen. But uh, it has and Hopefully, we'll be back to normal sooner rather than later. There's still people dying, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and until they get a vaccine, then I think things are going to be still strange for a while. Absolutely. So, Tommy, with, with obviously, for people who don't know, you're at Spennymoor, I think, assistant manager at Spennymoor. What could you do in lockdown regarding Spennymoor? Were you still looking at players? Were you still trying to organise things for the upcoming season? Because it, there was so much up in the air that we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we were getting told the season was going to start on a certain date and then it was getting put back. Um, and obviously, clubs were releasing players and I mean, there's loads of players available. You know, we're trying to make plans with pre-season friendlies. Um, and obviously, we, we wanted to get the likes of Sunderland, Middlesbrough and Newcastle. Uh, but obviously, they're going to be starting their season earlier than us and they're not getting much of a break. So, it's been a bit of a, a strange time, you know, a strange time. But... Like I said earlier, it's one of them things that you've just got to get on with and, and hopefully uh, everyone's safe. That's, that's the main thing and we can't really get started until that's the case. So, Tommy, we've asked a couple of people who, who manage or are still managing, we asked Daryl this and other people, is it a time to pick up a bargain as a club? Is it, can Spennymoor pick up a player that they might not have done because of uncertainty over contracts or people not knowing what's going to happen? Is it, is it a good time to be trying to sign players? I think so. I think that's a good shout, Mickey. Um, there's going to be lots and lots of players available. You know, I think clubs in the football league are, are going to cut the cloth accordingly. You know, they're going to have, they're not going to carry the same numbers as what they would in previous seasons. You know, they're going to rely a lot on the youth team uh, to make yeah. the numbers up. Uh, so there's going to be lads letting let go who have, have got good experience, have a good ilk and good pedigree. And uh, us at Spennymoor will be certainly interested in that sort of character, that sort of player. Uh, so I think it's a, it's a club market rather than a player's market. You know, I think clubs yeah. are in a, in a great position um, to, to get the right player in at the right price as well. Are Spennymoor in a good position more than most, Tommy? Because it seems like there's a big ambition there from behind the scenes. Absolutely. I think uh, for a part-time club, um, we are one of the best, if not the best, um, yeah, around, certainly around the northeast. Um, the, the club is... Is run fantastically behind the scenes. It's run like a professional club. We've got a great chairman. We've got some good directors. Uh, we've got a managing director. Everything is in place to, to progress, you know, and, and that's, that's what you want to be part of, really, a, a club that's ambitious and that's moving in the right direction. And you go to the ground and there's people working at the ground every day. There's things getting done. There's plans for the future. It's, it's a good place to be. Yeah, I was going to say, Tommy, anyone that hasn't been to Spennymoor and, and the, the, the way the facilities are there now and the pitch and the infrastructure you've got there, I know you've got the academy as well. Someone asked me the other day, if, if you were moving to the northeast as a footballer, where would you go? And I said, you'd, you'd probably look for Spennymoor and South Shields now, ahead of maybe Gateshead and possibly Hartleyville because of the, the way that they've got the momentum going forward, haven't they? They've got that real sort of push behind them to try and get themselves even bigger than what they are. Absolutely, absolutely. You only have to spend 10 minutes with the chairman and he blows you away, you know, with his plans, his ideas. Like you said, everything's in place with the academy structure. Uh, the facilities are second to none. The, the pitch is fantastic. You know, I think a couple of years ago, it was a shocker. You know, it, it, it was lots of problems with drainage um, and stuff like that. The surface, it was bobbly and it was dead. When the rain came, it was dead muddy, heavy. It, it yeah. was a nightmare. But, but nowadays, it's it's the best surface in the in the league, certainly. Uh, you know, we've got a, a grounds with full-time groundsman who used to be at Sunderland, who's on it all the time, and you, you know what groundsmen are like. Um, they want their pitch perfect, and they try and keep you off as, as best as possible. But 
it's it's really good and really really good stuff. It's still got that killer slope though, Tommy, because I played in the Darien game <laughs> there last, and we were winning three 0 at half time. We turned around, we got beat six three because we couldn't get up that hill second half. <laughs> <laughs> it's still got the slope. You're not wrong. It's, it's, I don't think it's as bad as what it was, but there is definitely still a slope. Yeah. There must be some real optimism floating around for the new season. I know you, you came close last year, but going into it when when things get up and running again, there must be some real you know good hope for the season. There is, you know, we've we've brought in, I think we brought seven in, seven new players. You know, there was a few that left and moved on for different reasons, um, and we've getting seven lads in who we think are going to improve us, uh, and we, we want to be there or thereabouts next season. You know, we we should be with the squad we've got. Um, it's a tough league. There's full-time teams, you know, in our league as well. So we are competing against them. Um, but like I just said, we, we've got a strong squad, strong team, and we want to be up there, and I'm sure we will be. Tommy, I've, I've asked I've, well, the people that I know at Spennymore or in the Northern League, I've, do you think Spennymore will ever go full-time? Do you think if they, made this, if they got promoted, they could go full-time and have the infrastructure and everything to do that? Good question. I think when we played Charlie in the playoff final um, and got beaten on penalties, uh, obviously to go up to the National League, yeah. it was mentioned. I don't think we would have went full-time straight away. I think you, you'd have a year in the National League and, and see how it panned out. Um, but I think if the club was to get to the next level and have a season there, see how it went, then I think there would be full-time sort of in the pipeline, really. Good stuff. And you're combining the, the, the assistant manager role you do there with with some one-on-one coaching and different things you're doing uh, over the last few months as well? Yeah, that's right. You know, I've just been doing a little bit of one-on-one coaching group work. Um, I've been to Spennymoor, I've been to Shotton, the old haunt, um, <laughs> and then I've been to Seaton Carew um, sort of this week and last week. Uh, I've enjoyed it. You know, there's kids come from as young as five, six-year-old, up to lads who's 18-year-old, you know, young professionals from Middlesbrough who just wanted a little bit of sort of training before they went back into the into pre-season and I've enjoyed it you know all sorts of levels um, like I said all sorts of ages uh, but but I've enjoyed it Do you know what Tommy it's, people don't realise and I think if you work with a big number that it's difficult I find working with if you do, ever do a one-on-one session that for me is the hardest session to do and it, it, it is tough and I've been following quite closely and I've been seeing all this crossing this and you know, I'm seeing much defending because he didn't really like defending anyway, did so, you? Know, <laughs> are, are, you not, are you not coaching? <laughs> no, but it, honestly, it is very difficult to do either small groups or one-on-one is really, really tough coaching. And uh, it's quite tiring as well because you, you don't get a break. You don't get a chance for the two teams to play against each other or anything like that. So hats off to you, Tommy, because it's hard work. It is hard work, and you get your steps up. You certainly get your steps up when you watch. I tell you, I'm, com- I'm coming in on fifty thousand steps, and I'm I'm goosed on a night because you're running with them, you're crossing the yeah. ball in, you're getting back in, you're sort of trying to get them to work hard. So you're doing the warm ups with them, you're doing the quick feet with them. So you're right, it, it is quite uh, quite tough. Have you ambitions on that front, then, Tommy? Could we see you in the in the dugout as a manager, or uh, you know, is that the kind of aspiration you have down the line? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, I've done my badges. I've just completed my year licence. Um, since I finished playing, it's, I've always wanted to be a, a manager, certainly to give it a go. Um, and I've enjoyed my time at Spennymoor. You know, I've done four years as assistant manager. It's a fantastic club. Um, Jason's a great manager, great man manager. And he lets me get on with the coaching side of it. So it's pretty much a, a good match. Uh, but... Along the line, I, I do want to test myself and I, and I do want to be the number one. You know, I want to be a manager. I don't want to be assistant manager for all my life. Um, but like I say, I am enjoying it. But along the line, I, I do want to have a go at myself. Yeah. If you ever do get a job, and I know for a fact you will at some point, I do know a good chief scout if you need a number four. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Mick? Yeah, I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure everyone knows who we're talking about. Tommy, I get, I, even now, I get a phone call every now and again of of Tommy's dad. Good, Mickey. Do you know this fella? Do you know him? Do you know him? Because he's still got his eyes everywhere. Tommy, as he's still getting out and watching football. Yeah, he, he does all right. You know what I mean? He's you'll hear him before you see him. Um, <laughs> that's the sort of character he is. He's he's infectious. You know, a lot of people. Well, I think everyone knows him, um, and, he, and he does go to the games. He does put the miles in and. 
yeah, he, he's done it for years and he and he enjoys it. I think um, he's obviously when the when the lockdown came in, he, he sort of got let go from Hartlepool. Uh, whether he returns, I don't know, but he'll want to get in somewhere at some club. Just to let us say, Mickey, sorry. Tommy was one of the first people who rang me today. I've obviously, um, I don't know if you've seen the news, Tommy, but I've taken over at, at, at Barrow as media manager oh, there. Brilliant. I haven't and, seen uh, that. Brilliant. brilliant. And your dad was one of the first people on the phone and, and that's just, you know, the measure of the fella. And um, yeah. I could turn me speaker down in my car a little bit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was at a game, was it last year or a year before, Chessy Street, Chester Town. I went with a friend of mine, uh, Tommy, you might know him, Swaz from Sunderland RCA. Yeah, yeah. And Swaz is a bit of a character anyway. So I was stood talking to Swaz and I saw your dad. So he, he come over and I was having a chat with him just about like players. And I was a children at the time. So we were talking about one or two other things. He was like, well, I sent some young in at uh, Sunderland last year and he didn't treat him. And I'm like, oh, I was like, how do I get out of this? I've got the manager here. I've got Tommy's dad one side slagging him up. I'm like, oh, this is Martin from Sunderland last year. And, and whether, he, whether he didn't hear us or not, he just continued. I was like, and, and Martin was like, oh, I know Tommy, it's all right. I know the lad he's talking about, but it was that awkward sort of 30 seconds where I thought this could go either way here. But nah, I love I love your dad a bit, Tommy. He's a, he's a character. Knowing me, knowing me dad, he probably would have said it anyway, even if he knew Well, exactly, me. exactly. And I, <laughs> and I think that's why the, that's why everyone likes him, isn't it? And so he's, he's up front. He's, he tells yeah, he you tells how, it you is. how it is. He tells exactly. you how it is. And there's one thing for certain. He knows where the best fish and chip shop is. He knows where the best bakery is, the best butchers. He'll tell you where the best food places are. You can't. You can. You can go to watch a player one night. He'll come in the office and go, "What was that player like, Tommy?" Well, I had a hot dog from here, and it was one pound eighty. And, and then you like you have to wait five minutes before you get round the game, don't you? Well, I, I remember going pre-season, going up to Berwick, and I know Tommy. You'll have to ask your dad if this is true, but. We were like, every year we're getting dragged to this tournament at Berwick. It was like a two-day thing, so we had to come back and drive out or play another yeah. game. And we were like, why are we going to Berwick and playing these like Scottish second division teams and this? Yeah. The pitch was all right, to be fair, the pitch was all right. And oh, then one yeah. of the lads was like, um, oh, they reckon Tommy's dad's getting a box of kippers or something out of this. this is what... <laughs> <laughs> he definitely would have got a box of kippers, I'm telling you. <laughs> Did he act as your agent as well, Tommy, when you were playing? He did little bits, you know. Yeah. He, um, I did have a, an agent along the um, along the years, and uh, the PFA did help us out a little bit. Um, and my dad got involved in a, in a couple of the deals as well. To be fair, Tommy, if your dad goes into a manager's office, you're getting what you want on yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> no one's saying no to your dad. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of then your, your your aspirations to become a manager, I guess you've you've worked under so many really experienced managers over the years as well, haven't you? To sort of mould, take the best bits from, from yeah. all of those. You know, who are the ones that you would want to try and take things from if you step into management? I think first and foremost, you want to be your own person. But like you just said, you, you do take bits and you, different ideas from different people. You know, there's people who you think, I wouldn't have done that, I would, I would do this. You know, there's, there's different ideas along the way. You know, I've, I was fortunate to have a long career. Uh, so I played lots of games and played under a lot of good managers and a lot of not so good ones. Um, I think Joe Royal, just because I I had a good time playing under him. You know, he he was a very good manager, very good man manager, um, very relaxed. But when he had to, he he would let go. And yeah. Willie Donaghy played was alongside him, and they were chalk and cheese. You know, Willie was very obviously come to Hartlepool. Yeah. Willie was very very serious, uh, but a very good coach. Uh, so they worked well together. Um, you know, in the early days as well with Chris Turner, you know, I mean, I owe him quite a lot. I, I don't really mention him much, but he sort of changed the, my game, um, which we'll probably go on to a bit later on. So Chris Turner was a good coach, you know, fantastic on the training field. Alan Irvine was a good coach. I played for some good coaches, you know, and like I say, I took some good ideas from them. Paolo Di Canio was an absolute character. Um, <laughs> but what, what a fantastic coach. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was really, really good. It was a little bit like Groundhog Day every week. We would do certain stuff and he would he would go over it and over it and over it, repetition and repetition, but it worked. We, we were top of the league at the time, so you couldn't fault his methods. Yes, he was a bit mad with his man management style and he would go off the, you know what I mean, off the wall at times and have you in for videos at daft o'clock in the morning. Uh, but in terms of his day-to-day -day on the coaching field, he, he was very, very good. Were you ever on the receiving end from Decanio then? 
Um, not particularly, no. I, I wasn't too bad. He, he tend to give the older lads a little bit more leeway uh, right. when when grilling you. But he would have clips and he would go through every single one of you. And he'd, he'd come to me and he'd sort of say a little bit, but he wasn't too bad, was he, say? <laughs> I remember going in, who was a, well, we played Swindon down at Swindon and the canny was a man. I can't even remember who our manager was. But I went in. And Fabrizio, I got friendly with Fabrizio as number two and, and I used to go in and, and speak to him. And one day I went in and De Canio came rushing in, door slammed open and he had full-on denim, like denim jacket, denim shirt, <laughs> jeans on. And he went, I can't stop, I can't stop and just ran out the door. <laughs> and normally normally you're in that manager's office for a good half an hour, 45 minutes. So I said to Fabrizio, where's he going? He's like, oh, he's going to some gig in London. He doesn't want to miss it. And I was, I was like, so he's not even seeing, like the man, our manager wasn't even then because he was doing the press. He was like, no, we'll have to apologise on his behalf. And, but it was almost accepted, Tommy, that that's what yeah. he was like. He was just, yeah, yeah. He, he would do what Paolo wants to do, I think. He was a maverick. Um, but you, you go back to his dress sense. I mean, he come in and he was just, he was cool. You just look at him and you think, I want to be him. He was cool. <laughs> yeah. The way he dressed. I mean, you, you all know what a fantastic player he was, but, Honestly, he'd come in and he'd just carry stuff off and he just looked so, the business, he was, uh, was pretty cool. Did he join in in training and did you see any of it? He didn't particularly join in with the games or anything like that, but if we did a bit of shooting, he would you know, do a little bit of shooting and join in with a few, few volleys along the way. And uh, <laughs> He was still fit, very fit, looked after himself, and, uh, but like a, a, an absolute character, but it was a pleasure to, to play under him, like a real pleasure. Well, let's take you back to the very start then, Tommy, the, 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 the way into football. Now, you came through, obviously, the ranks at, at Hartlepool, but you, you, you were at Ipswich until I think you were 14, 15, was it? I was. Um, got released um, just after I was, I think it was 15, just before I was 16. Right. Um, I didn't get, didn't get a white. Yes, I, I signed schoolboy forms at 14-year-old and I used to get the train down every other weekend um, on a Saturday um, play, stay with the family on the Saturday night, play on the game on the Sunday and then get the train back ready for school on the Monday. Um, and listen, I, I enjoyed it, you know, I mean, obviously it was a long way to go, um, but it was a great club, you know, renowned for, for looking after young lads, you know, and playing the right way, real family feel, the football club. Um, and I got released just before I was 16, too small. I was, I was five foot two when I left school, dead puny, dead skinny, dead slight. <laughs> Uh, and, I, and I don't think the, well, I think ability-wise I was all right, but like I just said, I was, I was a bit weak and they sort of didn't want to gamble on us. And it also happened that Kieran Dyer was alongside us in the midfield, so I think they, they probably made the right decision there. Got rid of me. <laughs> he's, he's not exactly a monster though, Tommy, is he, Kieran? <laughs> no, he's not. He's not. And, he, and he didn't grow much more than either, to be fair, but I think local lad and obviously yeah. he was an exceptional talent as well, so... Was football always your thing? Obviously, you're travelling to Ipswich, so it must have just been your part. There was never a, a time in your life where you thought, I want to do something else. It was always just football. Yeah, it was always football. I mean, I, I did question myself when I got released by Ipswich. You know, I mean, I thought, is this the end of the end of the line? You know, I was 16-year-old. I was heartbroken. I remember the train journey back and thinking, how am I going to, you know what I mean? What am I going to do? And I went to Peatley uh, College. I was going to sign... Um, like a leisure and tourism course, I, I went and inquired, and and that was how it was going to be. You know, I thought that's what I was going to do, and then Brian on rang me dad, and he just said, "Listen, I heard like he's, he's been released from Ipswich. Why doesn't he come to Harleypool and come and train?" So they'd already agreed for their YTS intake for that year, and so I went down, and I didn't think I was going to get anything, and the he got in touch with the PFA and the FA, I think, and said, listen, can we get an extra place? And we managed to get an extra place. And luckily, I, I got signed on. And after that, I did quite well. So I, I was fortunate in the way I got in. And obviously, grateful for, for Brian on giving us a ring and getting me down there. So, Tommy, was your dad working in football at the time when you went to Harleypool? Was he scouting for people already? I think he was scouting for people already, yeah. I think he was doing bits and bobs. He wasn't at Harleypool yeah. at the, I, the only reason I ask is because... People often talk about, oh, his dad's a manager of this, that, and the other. I, I went to school yeah. with Andy, Andy Todd, whose dad was a manager yeah. at Middlesbrough and went on to manage all over. And he always had that sort of tag everywhere you went, was in, even in the district programmes, yeah. Andy, son of Colin X, England player. And yeah, I was just wondering yeah. if it was similar for you, you know, like there's a bit more pressure if your dad's a scout and, and he's looking at different players. And, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, it, was it similar for you or 
Not particularly, no. I didn't, I didn't feel, I certainly didn't feel that pressure. Um, no, not really. No, I think it would have been different if he was a manager or he was a coach or but with him being a scout. No, I think he was a little bit out the way and it wasn't, wasn't as bad. Wasn't as bad. What was it like so, in the youth system then, then, Tommy? Good, good grounding. I mean, uh, me, me pack lunch used to get pinched every day. Uh, me, me dad was, was you know, de- definitely gooky, definitely gooky, that 100%. Gooky, but I, think, I think there was a lad called Carl Sexton as well, who was the same age as me, who looked like a fella. And I think my dad used to say, There's no wonder he's not bloody grown, his bloody sandwiches are getting nicked. So, you know, he's like, he was down Lincoln's every morning, getting us a bit of pie and really pork, and he was filling us up and he was trying to build us up because, like I said, I was dead skinny and slight. Um, but yeah, my, my pat lunch was getting nicked. <laughs> um, but it was it was eventful. Um, I mean, the, the pros back then would never get away with the things they would do. You know what I mean? It, it was ridiculous. Uh, you'd be in the room, you'd be singing in front of them, and then all sorts of stories, which I don't really want to go into. But there were some good <laughs> characters, and it, it's a good grounding. You know, it's a good learning experience. You know, you you sweep in the stand, you're cleaning the seats, and it's part and parcel of, of being a white. Yes, I believe. You know, nowadays they get a bit molly coddled and. And looked after, you know what I mean? You can't do this, you can't do that. I enjoyed as much as it was tough. There were some good characters, but it's part of your, your character building. And like I say, it's yeah. a good ground and a great ground. So who was, your, who was your youth team coach, Tommy? And who else played in the youth team with you during your two years as an apprentice? Uh, Billy Horn was the, the coach and Brian Honor. Uh, obviously, so the two of them. So... Both tough taskmasters. Uh, Bri, I mean, listen, if you've done something wrong, Bri was on you straight away, but he was doing it for the for the best of you, you know what I mean? But at the same time, if you've done something well, he, he'd encourage you and he'd praise you. Uh, so I learned a lot from Bri and, and Billy Horn as well, dead old school. Yeah. You know, pre-season was very, very tough, but Billy had seen it, been there, done it. Um, and then lads alongside me, I had Stephen Hutt, Stewie Irvine. Uh, they were all my... Uh, I called Maxi, the goalkeeper, um, Paul Walton, um, and then you had Buster, obviously, who was a year above, um, who was a very, very good, no, I wouldn't say technically great, but if you'd want him in the trenches alongside you because he would smash people and he'd win the ball back for you. The only problem with Buster was he'd get injured or he'd get sent off and he was a little bit <laughs> reckless in the tackle because he was just wanting to win everything, but if you'd have kept them fit and you'd have kept them on the pitch, he possibly could have went on and, and, and had a bit of a career, do you know what I mean, playing, but I yeah. think injuries curtailed it. Uh, but like I said, you'd have him, you'd had him alongside you in the trenches because he'd, he'd win the ball for you and he'd fight for you. So if you were alongside Buster, are you of the era where the youth team were in the back gym wrestling with Dave Brown and things? <laughs> <laughs> I certainly was. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever get the best of them? No, never. I told you. <laughs> I told you I was only small and skinny and weak, but um, we were on the, the gym roof, we were on all sorts. We, one of the lads fell into Stuart Bagnell's office, uh, one day <laughs> came through the roof, Stuart Bagnell's on his phone or on the computer or whatever, and I think it was Lee Foster, uh, and he just <laughs> fell through the roof and just fell on his desk. Oh, he did an injury stuff, I'll never know, but... Oh, there was, there was all sorts going on back then. Talking to, talking to Davy Brown, it was once we were, I think we come down to the ground and it was a red hot day and Davy was outside cutting the grass and I remember someone come in and go, we need some help on the pitch. Where's the physio? We need some help. And Davy was flat out on the pitch and we'd gone over and he was going through a stage of trying to get a bit fitter because he's, he's a little bit on the, yeah. on the tubby side and he's been wearing a black bin bag all day in the sun and he just dehydrated himself and he must have got to a point where he must have just, just keeled over on the pins. <laughs> but, but I remember those times, Tommy, we, uh, when I came there, we were still in the old dressing rooms behind like behind the goal and we used to play like cricket in the in the back gym bit and there would be, yeah, there'd be yeah. lads all over the place and but it was fun times, Tommy, wasn't it? It was a real right. good, good laugh and, and it was like a camaraderie that we got together and, and we used to bring biscuits in, didn't we? We used to be at a point yeah. where you'd have to bring biscuits in, so after training, have a cup of tea, and we all used yeah. to take turns bringing the biscuits in. But it, I agree those two years as a white, yes, are, are really important to, to build you as a character as well as a footballer. Absolutely. You've, you've got to be mentally strong as well. You know, you're going to get a bit of stick along the way, and you've just got to brush it off and, and give a little bit of a back. But 
it's a, it's a great character building experience. It was for me. I, I loved it. You know, yes, there was tough times, but I still loved it. You know, looking back. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was Billy Horner, but Buster said to me once that he played in a um, a reserve or a youth team game through at Horden, and they got a bad result, or they were expected to win, and they got a bad result, and whoever it was made them run back to Hartlepool after the game. <laughs> Get your chains on, you're running back to Hartlepool. That doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, I, I can't remember being involved in that. I'm sure I would have remembered, but uh, it doesn't surprise me. I know I, 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 Billy was there when I first came then. And, and Billy spent a lot of time. I used to just chat with him, you know, after training or, uh, or when I had 10 minutes. And he was a really knowledgeable guy, Billy. He had a lot a lot of stuff to pass on. And, and yeah. he used to just speak to me about, I was playing sweeper at the time, about trying to step in front of the back four and, and stuff yeah. that no one else at the time was, was telling us. And, and you see yeah. teams now trying to do exactly the same. And I think he was sort of a coach that would be there a long time. I think he was a bit underrated as a coach because yeah. he'd been there so long and he'd done the first team, then stepped back, done the first team, stepped back. But he was, he was a really, really good coach, but really knowledgeable about his football. Very knowledgeable. Great experience. Obviously, he'd been there, done it, you know what I mean? And like you've just said, he was, he was always stepping in to be caretaker manager and then he would move aside when someone else came in and then if someone would get the sack and he'd always step up and do it again. Um, so, but a, a fantastic person, you know, and, and him and Brian Hunter were a, a great matchup, you know what I mean, a, a good two to, to lead the youth team. And just going back to Brian, I mean, I, back in the day, I used to like my music, all sorts of music, but a bit of rave. So it was when the DJs and the MCs are giving it all that on the mic and all that. So I used to bring the tapes in for the lads in the dressing room, the youth team lads, and we used to listen to them while we could get them our dinners and stuff like that. So I said, hey lads, I've got a beauty here, man, beauty here. I can't remember who it was. It was MC Liddy Turbo or something. Anyway, here we go. Live from the Coliseum Norton. It was like a set playing through. And every now, every now and again, it was like a special shout out to blah, blah, blah. So I said, lad, listen, it's coming on in a minute. It's coming on in a minute. Here we go. And a big shout out to Tommy Miller in the house. Tommy Miller's in the house. And I'm going to the live say, that's me, lad. That's me. <laughs> so Brian on is walking along the corridor at the same time. He's bowled into the changing room door. Going, do you want to be an effing DJ or do you want to be a player? Hey, make <laughs> up your mind. Do you want to be a DJ or a player? I'm like, no, I cry. I mean, <laughs> but uh, I never lived that down because if I had a nightmare in a match, that just got brought up every time in the youth team. Do you want to be a DJ? Do you want to be an MC? Go on then, get yourself away. You can imagine him saying it. Oh, well. you can't. Oh, he used to batter me, batter me for it. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, he's I mean, a good friend of mine. Though. Tommy, I was just about to say, you know him as well as I do. We've been friends a long, long time. And, and I, I hold me hands up, I probably didn't, wouldn't want Bryce my youth team coach because <laughs> he would be on me all the time. But the one thing, Bryce, is he's positive. And I think even all the, all the bollockings you'd get off him and all the probably extra running you'd have to do for him, if he sees any sort of glint of anything in you, He'll praise you to the hill, and that's the type of person he is outside of football Absolutely. as well. Absolutely, and he, he's he, he, a, yeah. Talking to people you want in the trenches with you, I mean, it would have to be a little little trench to get Brian. Like, but <laughs> <laughs> he, he's another one that you want in the trenches. And 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 it, for me, when you talk about Hartlepool legends and this, that, and other, he for me is the epitome of a Hartlepool legend. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. He's he's up there, right at the top, right at the top, if not the top. You know what I mean? He was a uh, fantastic servant. Yeah, great bloke and a, and a good player. You know what I mean? He scored some great goals for Hartley. He had some good times, FA Cup runs and stuff. And no, we were just uh, we've just been away, Tommy. We've been to Cornwall and then we've just been camping and we're talking about the times we went away before we had kids. So me and Nick before we had kids, and we were saying like, why didn't we go to the Maldives or Jamaica or somewhere like? That? Me and Nick went to Benidorm with Brian and Janet and his two kids because yeah. we, we loved them that much. And it was like, we used to go out on a Saturday night and I, I'll never forget, there used to be a club in Blackhall like yeah. behind, behind Brian's house. Behind where he lived, I used to go as well. So we went there one, we went there one night and I don't know whether I've told you this before, Simo, but we're, we're in this, you had, you had to pay two quid to get from the bar bit into where the, yeah. the, gig, the gig was on. Yeah, yeah. And Brian used to... Brian used to love that bit. He used to love, you know, the singers and all that, and I'm yeah. sing along. So yeah. one night this guy was in, and we were a little bit late, and the place was rocking, it was absolutely buzzing. So we got down, sat down, and this guy was doing a... He was going around with a big, long mic, singing a bit of the song, and then 
getting someone else to sing the rest of the, of the line. So it was like, you're gorgeous. And then giving the mic to someone else. And there was a guy, I'll never forget it, he was sat on his own in Blackwall. The guy said, <laughs> you're gorgeous. And passed the mic, he went, I paid two fucking quid, now you <laughs> sing, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right for Blackhawk. Honestly, I was like, I thought he was going to get up and sing it. He was just deadpan. I was like, I want me two quid's worth out of you here. <laughs> but no, we, we, we've had some brilliant times over the years with Brian and yeah. Janet and the girls and that, so I love them a bit. Yeah, good times, good times. Moving on with Tommy, you obviously got through the youth team and, and made your debut, debut relatively early, didn't you? you? I think you were 18 when you broke into the first team. What can you remember about that time, sort of making the, the passage into senior football? Yeah, I am. Um, I was I was travelling a lot with Mick, Mick Tate and, and Houchin yeah. were in charge, you know, it was that era. Um, and I was getting in the squads and I wasn't, wasn't quite getting on the field and I was sub a couple of times. Um, and then I came on against Chester away, uh, the Beaver Stadium. I think we were getting beat 2-0. Um, I came on for the last half an hour. We we got beat three one, um, and then I made my full debut of the week after against Doncaster at the old Bellevue Ground, um, and I think they were fighting for their lives down at the bottom, and we weren't far above them. Um, I think we were two 0 down. I think we drew the game two all, uh, and I got cropped. I think just about sixty minutes, I got caught on the ankle of John Schofield, who was a might be a nice yeah. fell off the pitch, but what a nasty piece on it. Uh, you know, he he nip you. He, Bite you, all sorts of stuff, which they used to do in the in the lower leagues. Um, and he caught me on my ankle anyway. I ended up finishing the game, but I think after that I missed about three or four weeks with with ankle ligament damage, which was uh, wasn't great because I'd just get in the team. What was the dressing room like then? You know, obviously, I think it was just before Mickey did. Or, 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 actually, I think on your debut, Mickey, you were playing, weren't you? I think. Yeah, oh, sorry, on Tommy's, on Tommy's debut, I think. Oh, here we go. This is coming in. I, yeah, I thought that's you, you mean. My I, memory's terrible. I thought you said to me, Sim. I thought the question was on my debut. Was I playing? <laughs> Do you know what? That would have been a really bad question. <laughs> but no, I think on, on on Tommy's debut, I'm pretty sure you were in that that start eleven. All right. Yeah. No, I honestly don't know. But, you know sorry, I'm looking, Tom. Look at the lineup now. You know these lads who. I'm not 100% sure. Possibly, possibly, yeah, possibly. What was the dressing room like at that stage? Then what was the you know you've got Darren Knowles there, Lucas, Mickey Barron. I've got Graham Lee. Yeah. Ian Clark, Midgley, Howard Beach. What was that dressing room like? Yeah, good. Like you say, good mix of different characters, some good players. You know, some who went on to, to bigger and better things. Some who sort of just stayed in and around the lower leagues. You know, we had a good mix. Some great lads, good experience. Um, and enjoyable, you know, we, we were always fighting sort of towards the end of the bottom of the league. Uh, so every game was a, a must win, really, you know, yeah. until it, things changed um, a year or two later. Uh, so you're always scrapping and you're always fighting for each other. And it, and it meant everything, you know, you, you needed to stay in the league, you needed to, to try and get up that table. And um, there were some good characters, some good characters. Even though, even though we were at the bottom, Tommy, and and we never really, we didn't win a lot of games. It, I never felt under pressure, you know. I never felt like every game was a must-win, you know. what I mean, I know I was young at the time, and but you just yeah. go out and play, and if you got beat, it was like right, we'll just go on and, and try and win the next one. It was that sort of environment, wasn't it? I think it was almost yeah. people expected you to lose. So if you lost, it wasn't the end of the world, and would go on and try and win another game somewhere. I think the expectation wasn't as Obviously, it went on to being uh, bigger and higher after that. But I think the expectation was stay in the league. And if you do well or whatever, towards mid-table, then they see that as a, a half-decent season, really. I don't think the expectation was too high. Uh, but that certainly changed as, as the years went on. And obviously, when a, a different manager came in, and obviously with the IOR owners as well, who, who spent a bit of money, um, and they changed for the better. Someone did ask a sorry, Simo, Someone did ask a question on Twitter about Darren Knowles and Tommy Miller's link up of a throw-in. Was like, <laughs> was this something that was worked on in training, and why did they have such a good link up? And I was like, I can't remember this. Well, this uh -huh. is news to me. This link up. 
No, I'm trying to think. I think Noel's used to just get it now. Maybe he's made a little run down the line. I think that's probably as basic as it was. All right. Well, you, you became a regular in the side. You know, I know you said you had that injury just after you made your debut, but pretty much from there on in, you, you were fairly regular in that first team, weren't you? Pretty much until you left. Yeah, yeah, I got a good run in the team. Like you say, I picked up that injury and then got back in after that uh, and stayed in the team more or less, you know, and um, great experience, good ground. Tough league to play, you know, the old Division 3 or League 2, whatever it is, yeah. You don't get much time on the ball, you know, you're getting hounded, there's not much space, you've got to win a lot of second balls, you've got to win the battle before you can start to play and all that sort of stuff. Um, but loved it because as a young kid, it was, a, it was a way to the game and it was a way of understanding the game as well. You know, I see these academies these days and a lot of lads who come from Middlesbrough, Sun and Newcastle, and they might come to a Hartlepool and they might think it's going to be easy. I think it's been mentioned before this and they come and it's, it's an eye-opener because... It's not as easy as they think. You know, everyone will think, oh, they'll come there and they'll rip it up. They don't, not necessarily. Um, they find it a little bit hard because academy football, you have the ball, we have the ball. It's very passive and you get a lot of time on the ball. Division three, league two, or, you know what I mean, the lower leagues, it's a, it's a different ball game. And I enjoyed it because I was playing week in, week out. Uh, obviously, I was getting a few goals as well, but playing with some good characters, it was the making of us, really. So Tommy, who, who, honestly, I cannot remember who were you playing alongside in that team. Who was the midfielders with you? I think um, Chris Beach, obviously, at the start of it. Uh, right. John Cullen had a, had a spell alongside okay, him yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, and then obviously later on, it was the likes of Pinks and the likes of Steve O, uh, who I played alongside. So different players, different abilities, uh, but all sort of added, you know, extra. And I used to watch them and, and take little bits from them as well because. They've been around and, and, and been around the block. Was it simply the introduction of those players you mentioned there that, that changed the mentality? Because you both said it there that at one time it was almost like a bonus to, to win a game. So how did Chris Turner manage to, to change that? Was it simply just his recruitment or was there other things that happened behind the scenes that, and, and on the training ground? I, I think recruitment and his own plans, I think it, it changed the full lot. You know, I think the norm was after a game how many cans back rather than how many hours back, you know what I mean? You'd, you'd ask how long and it would be, oh, no, it's a good eight cans back. And it's like, well, I want to know in time. But I think that's how it was. And that's probably how it was at all the lower league clubs or yeah. in football. And, and there was nothing wrong with that at the time. That, that was fine. But Chris Turner came in and, and he changed a lot of things. You know, he changed the system we played. Um, he brought in place to suit the system. And I think from a personal point of view as well, I was a bit... Was I a holding midfielder? Was I someone who was going to get on the ball? Or was I someone who was... Because I had quite a lot of energy and I was quite fit, Chris came in and obviously he must have seen that I could finish as well in training. And he encouraged me to get forward. You know, he, he played a system that suited himself. And other players suited the system as well. You know, we had good wing-backs. Mickey was obviously in the middle of a back three, which was cigars out for him. Uh, he had two lads alongside him who would, you know what I mean, probably win the battle. Uh, it just worked. It fitted in with how how we played at the time, and it was good times. You know, I used to love playing with Gary Jones, who didn't really get much credit at Hartlepool because probably he didn't score as many goals as he should have or was brought into. But in terms of holding the ball up and stuff like that, he was always a, a sort of player for me to play balls around the corner, and it would stick with him. So there were some Tom, good players, and go on, yeah. I was saying to someone before you came on, you from an early age could do what a lot of midfielders couldn't do and they see that pass around the corner to strikers. So it was always important that you had a striker that knew that was coming. And I didn't play with many other players in my whole career that could do that. And you had that, yeah. whether it was a natural ability or whether it's because you wanted to get forward. But even even when we played in that charity match, you still do it. And and if you, if you could coach a kid to do that, they don't do it anymore, Tom. They don't no, look no. to play that one two round the corner and then follow or get in the box like you used to and, yeah. and that's a one when it, when anyone asks me about you as a player that's a one thing and it's a one thing I would say that if you could get a midfield to do you, you'd be worth millions these days because of the amount of things yeah. you'd create around the box I think so I think first and foremost a lot of players are safe aren't they these days and yeah. they're told to keep the ball keep the ball and go back and go square and if it's not on go for it was just an sort of instant Thing for me to do, you know, and like you've said, if I had a centre forward up there who could look after the ball, and nine times out of ten, I was flipping it around the corner, and 
listen, sometimes it might not work, but that was my first thought. Can I get it into the striker? And if it means playing around the corner or it means sort of doing it first time, and if you could do it first time, then you were away because the amount of touches, if you had one, two, three touches, then it breaks down and it's not on then. It goes. If you can do it instant, you're where you're in business and you pass the other midfielder and you're suddenly into the opposition final third and you know what I mean? You get chances from that and I, I enjoy that was like you just that was my favourite pass, definitely. Definitely. And you, you did obviously obviously Chris Turner saying that you wanted to get forward. You got among the goals, didn't you? I mean the the hat trick that I, I was one of my things. I, I didn't actually see you play during your first spell at all, I don't think. And it was it was just before I'd I'd come in yeah. in the media. So I, I, I've seen videos and stuff about well, that hat trick against Barnet. Is that still, still one of your biggest memories? Definitely, definitely. I mean, it was the only hat trick I scored, so yeah, it, it's up there. And me, me granddad was there as well, and he he didn't last much longer after that. So it was, and you see, when I score, I sort of celebrate, and he sort of stands up, and he was in a bit of a bad way at the time, still. So you see him on the video, and it, good memories, you know, and, it, and obviously to score a hat trick a good experience and a, you know what I mean a, an enjoyable one as well Tommy that surprised me that that's the only hat-trick you ever scored that, honestly, that has it, taken me by surprise yeah because I thought you would have you would have well if Tinks has got a few then I'm surprised you haven't got more than him I know well I've I got loads of braces but yeah that was the only hat-trick in, uh, in my career so yeah, only the one match ball mate. <laughs> one more than me <laughs> You obviously Mickey sport about before because obviously the transition happened, you know, from being a, a club struggling at the bottom towards being a club that was going to strive towards promotion. I know you left after the the, the Blackpool playoffs, and you've spoken about before, Mickey, that the team had improved and everything had improved, but you just weren't quite at the level you needed to be to get out of that division at the time. Just couldn't get over the line, you know. We got beat off Darlington in the playoffs, and then we got beat off Blackpool the year after. Yeah. Um, so close, you know, but obviously a lot better feeling than being down at the bottom or towards mid-table, you know, there was suddenly a real good feel at, at the club, uh, things were moving in the right direction and it, it was only a matter of time before they, they sort of made the break and got into the next league, which they did after I left, uh, but Chris had put the plans in place and um, he, he put the structure in there and brought the players in and he was knocking on the door and when I left, he, he brought a few lads in and Fortunately, got over the line and had some great, great years as well. I remember that Blackpool playoff game. And I, and I remember it because a friend of mine who's had a real illness, Gary Parkinson, was playing for Blackpool yeah. at the time. And I just, as we were playing the game, we got beat down there. And I just remember thinking, they, these are way ahead of us. These are such a, such a good team. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They, they just seemed like... I don't. I, I, don't, I hate to say it, men against boys, but that's how it felt to me at the time, and, mm. and it, it was almost like it was a year too soon for us to even try and get that step, like that next step, because I thought yeah. they were a really good team, Blackpool. Yeah, they were. I mean, Brett Armourod was up front for them, wasn't he? he? Was scoring all the goals I think at the time, and you just mentioned Gary Partinson. His delivery was still fantastic. You know, yeah. uh, he was putting balls into the box, and they had some good players, mate. And oh, Tommy, was you the big? Big centre forward that they had was a, a big dark head. Like. Murphy, was it? Murphy, John yeah, was John Murphy. Yeah, he was a nightmare to play against. Yeah. Him and, him and Armouron, they were just yeah. tough, <laughs> and tough, tough games. <laughs> Should have just put Strods on him, man. I know, yeah. I. Yeah, but I couldn't keep up with I couldn't keep up with Armouron, so I. How quickly, Tommy, did the did the rumours start circulating about you potentially moving on? Then was there any whispers before the season finished, or in in the in the months before? No, obviously I was scoring a few goals, and there was a, a few clubs taking note. Um, and then Chris Turner came up to me, my mum and dad's house, and he just said, "Listen, we've we've had three bids uh, of all the same amount from three clubs, um, and it's entirely up to you. You know, the club have obviously accepted the offer, and." From a personal point of view, it was it was the right time to go. Um, the year before, after we got beat off Darlington, there was a little bit of interest as well. But I just felt I owed it to myself. I know it the heart of to stay and try and have another crack at it and try and get the club up. And I did that. We stayed, and obviously it didn't happen. Uh, so Chris came up and he said, "Listen, we've accepted the bids." And I went down to to speak to the relevant teams, and as soon as I knew Ipswich were 
obviously one of them then my mind was made up not just because they were in the Premier League and they they qualified for Europe but it was a club that I'd obviously known as a as a kid and yeah. I knew how well they look after the players and I just felt it was time to go and and time to go back. So there was no there was no thinking of Tom of like any sort of I'm not going there because they released us that that never sort of crossed no, your mind def- at all. No, definitely not. Definitely not. I just thought well, it was probably the right time as well when I got released. It was the right decision. You know, yeah, yeah. I probably wasn't ready and I, I was too small and I was a bit weak and there was other players who were better. Um, so I just I just knew that this was the right time to go back and I knew it would be a massive step up because they'd done well in the Premier League and I knew I wasn't going to get me game time straight away I'd have to buy me time and massive jump going to there but I just thought with them qualifying for Europe as well and it was it was an opportunity I couldn't turn down in a club that I, I still still knew knew pretty well So do the other two clubs just not get a look in? Well I went to speak to them I did go to speak to them I went to speak to Gordon Strachan um, and if it, if it was down to money and stuff, I, I could have went there and got a lot more money, uh, if I'm perfectly honest with you, um, at Coventry. Uh, but it wasn't down to that. It was it was where I wanted to go and Ipswich was the, was the team I wanted to go. And you, you obviously went on. You, 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 the, the stuff at Ipswich that, that happened after that, you, you, you really had a good spell there. Yeah, I had some good times there. You know, I had four good years. Uh, the first year was a bit, bit sweet towards the end, obviously getting relegated. Uh, playing in Europe and you know it, it was a great experience playing in Russia and and you're involved against Inter Milan and good good memories uh, good times and but the the, the probably in hindsight the club getting relegated to the championship probably worked out a little bit better for me because I only played a bit part in that season I think I played about 14 15 games in total um, and I knew that the club going to the championship this was it was time to make me mark really and, and time to to get in the team and stay in the team and I found me level I think uh, got in the championship did pretty well and we knocked on the door a few times through the playoffs and how we didn't get promoted I'll, I'll, I'll still never know So Tommy there was some there was some good players in that Ipswich team wasn't there do you want to mention a couple of people that yeah. might have yeah, you, you had Jim McGillan, obviously, who went on to be the manager as well. Fantastic footballer. Zanidi yeah. George, who had, who had a spell there, who was supposed yeah. to be 32, but it was about 52, I think. <laughs> um, we had um, Pablo Canago, Jamie Clapham, Marcus Stewart, who I think got the golden boot the season before I went. You know, he had a fantastic season and should have gotten in the England squad. Uh, very, very clever footballer and a good goal scorer. Matty Holland who was the yeah. captain and obviously played for Ireland as well, who was a great captain, you know, and a good footballer. He used to get forward and get a few goals. And then you had Titus Bramble, who was coming through. You had Darren Ben coming through as young lad as well. Uh, Darren Ambrose. There was, there was some good players and good characters. Yeah, good. And it was a good club. It's a good club. So it, just going back a little bit, Tommy, you've gone from League Two, Hartlepool, who were finishing near the top to to Premier League team. And, there's not many players can make that jump. I know you said you only played 14 and 15, but still to play that many games from coming from a League Two club, you you would find that really difficult. Now, you wouldn't get many people come from League Two to go into anywhere near the Premiership and even playing in the first couple of seasons. So it's testament to you and, and your ability and, and and everything else at the time, how well that move went really, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's, there's not many that make the, make the step up from that league and... Like I said, it was a it was a big jump, and I knew I'd have to bide my time, but I was prepared to to wait. You know what I mean, and, and learn from the players that were already there, gain you know knowledge off them as well. Watch what they did in training, how they lived their lives, how they looked after themselves, and um, I wanted to learn from them, and and I certainly did that, um, and and I enjoyed every minute of it, even though we sadly got relegated. But like I just said before, it was it was my time in the championship and to make me mark. How do you how do you look back now, Tommy, on 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 your next destination, coming back to the northeast and and your spell at Sunderland? How do you reflect on the on the couple of years you had at the stadium of light now? Um, tough, disappointing, um, not sad, and no regrets really. I mean, as it pans out, I think if switch we should have got promoted. You know, we were up there and we sort of triggered off March time and we lost a couple of games and we ended up getting going into the playoffs when we should have went up automatic. Um, we were a very, very good team and Sunderland obviously got automatic promotion and there was rumours going around that they were interested in me and I ended up meeting, making 
Portugal, my contract was coming to an end at Ipswich and uh, Mick spoke to me about his plans and what he had in mind for the Premier League and he didn't have to sell the club because I knew what it was like having grown up going to watch them as a supporter, uh, how big it is. And I just thought the time was right and I, I have to go and it didn't work out as planned and it was a tough season. You know, Mick didn't have the money to spend. One thing's for certain, you need money when you go to the Premier League. It's a different ball game. It's a different ball game. Um, and he, he wasn't given the funds. Um, and I look at it and I think the system probably didn't suit me. We were more or less 4-4-2 and I was having to do a bit more defending and I was having to get on the ball. And listen, I'm not saying if we played 3-5-2 or 4-3-3, I'd get more chances because the Premier League, it's a harder, you know what I mean, a harder level. Uh, but I think it would have benefited me more. And it's easy to say in hindsight as well, if Ipswich had got promoted, I think I would have fitted Ipswich obviously better because Joe Royal knew how to get the best out of me and, and played me in a system what suited me. Whereas Mick was a bit more defensive minded, which is there's nothing wrong with that. And maybe you had to be uh, going into the Premier League. You had to be a bit more cautious. But I just think Mick didn't get the best out of me and I didn't do the best for Mick, if, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's an unforgiving environment, isn't it? Well, I know you've spoken about it before at, at Sunderland. When, when things are up and there's 45,000 behind you, it, it must be an unbelievable place to play. But when things are going against you, it must be so hard. It, it is hard. And, and being a local lad as well, you, you seem to get a little bit more. You know, I, I'm in and around it and I have family, friends, and they're ringing up, what's going on here and what's happening there? And what's he doing? You know, you seem to get it a bit more and you... Not that I would really look at the papers and look on social media and stuff like that, but oh, why is he doing this? And he should be... It's one of them things. You know, you have to be mentally strong to play for a, for a club of that size, especially. And the, the crowd base, and it's fantastic. It's a massive, massive club. And when things are going right, there's no better place. But when they're going wrong, it, it's tough. And you've got to be mentally strong and, and get on with it. And unfortunately, it didn't work out and didn't go according to plan. But no regrets. Yeah, I I haven't been to watch many games at Sunderland, Tom. I've probably probably been about four or five. But the last one I went to was when the the time they got relegated from the Premier League, and they obviously had a terrible season. And I went with a couple of friends to live local. They have like ten season tickets, and they take people every now and again. But at half time, half of them didn't even, didn't go back. I think they were drawn nil nil or getting beat one nil. Didn't go back. They went to the Hilton. <laughs> For a pint, so I, I had yeah. uh, my Charlie with me, and I said, "Look, we'll steer," and and they end up getting beaten. They come out, and 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 I couldn't believe how jovial everyone was. They were like, <laughs> they'd got they'd got beat, and I'm like, and they had a horrendous season, and they were like laughing and joking, and they're almost resigned to this fact mm -hmm. that they were going every week, and they knew they were going to get beat, and it was it was really weird sense here because I was thinking they're going to be like screaming and bawling. Like what you're seeing, you had. Yeah. But it, it was such a strange atmosphere. And I don't think it, one I'll ever see again at a football ground. No. Tough, tough, tough place to, to play and tough place to, you know what I mean? It's, it, it's one of them. It's one of them. The, the fans have every right to do what they want to do, you know what I mean? And they pay the money and stuff like that. But on the flip side of that, when it's good, it, it's bouncing, you know what I mean? And it's rocking. I've, I've been to many games there as a fan and it, it is a, a great place when it's going well. But the fans can give you a tough time when it's not. It didn't put you off, obviously. You went on, you played an enormous amount of games, didn't you? It was over 500 games. And then you, you ended up coming full circle once more, back to back to Hartlepool and, and back in the blue and white stripes. How did that come about? And did it feel strange? It did feel strange. Um, you know, I'd, I'd left uh, Bury um, and Colin Cooper said, why don't you come and, and do a bit of training at Hartlepool? So I went in there and seemed like I was on trial for about three years uh, before he <laughs> said he wanted to sign us. I think he was trying to get everybody else. And then... And Buster was there still. Buster was still there. Buster was still there as well. So, um, it was... Obviously, loads of changes, you know, loads of changes, personnel and everything behind the scenes. Um, but I, I ended up signing and, again, frustrating. I got injured against Cambridge and I struggled to get back and I got back towards the end of the season. I, I came on in the, obviously, the Great Escape game and to get me 600th game, which was which was bugging me because I was on 599 and I got OCD and then I needed to get that 600. <laughs> it was a bit of a nightmare. And I had a tear in my calf and I kept trying to come back and I kept yeah, re tearing it. And it was, 
it was an absolute nightmare. Um, and Buster was sort of scratching his head. I was. We were getting it scanned. We were getting it injected. And I ended up going to London to see some fellow who was something to do with the Olympics. And he was saying it's quite common with people who sprint and athletes. And I'm thinking, well, I'm, I've never been a sprinter. <laughs> um, so I don't know why it's common with myself, but something to do with the scar tissue sticking on the inside. And it, it was just a nightmare because I was doing all the strength work. I was doing everything in the gym and I was ready to train. I would, and I would go out 10 minutes and I feel good. And then I'd do something quick and it would just go again. And it, it was a sign maybe to your sort of careers coming towards a, an end, really. Um, so frustrating and disappointing. So Tommy, when you, when you decided that was enough and you had, like, you are going to retire. What emotions were going through your head? You said you wanted that 600 game, which is a fantastic achievement to you, so well done for that. Because yeah. when I retired, I went straight into the youth team and started coaching youth team. I didn't have really any time to, to dwell on the fact that I retired. It was probably a couple of years later when I started going to watch a few Northern League games or Gateshead, this and the other. And I was, thinking, I was, I was watching that. So I could still play. In these games, I was watching and thinking I could yeah. still play, and I was a little bit—I thought I was a little bit disappointed that I retired when I did because I was 34 when I retired. But I had a great opportunity to go in and coach a youth team. Yeah. Did Did you carry on playing like non-league, and or did you ever fancy playing non-league, or would you? Do you honestly think you could still play for Spennymore or not? I never ever really officially retired. If I'm honest with you. Oh, breaking, breaking <laughs> news. <laughs> well, I probably just won't play again. <laughs> but, I've, I've, um, just, I've just retired from international football. But... <laughs> <laughs> I, I went to Halifax. Um, I, ended up, I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I, I was frustrated and disappointed because of the injury. And I just thought, what a nightmare. And I, I knew full-time football, the day-to-day training, it probably yeah. wasn't going to work out. Yeah. So Halifax got in touch, I think it was about October time, so the season had already started, they'd had a bad start of the season, and they were part-time. And I thought to myself, right, maybe I've still got something to offer. Uh, so I went down there and, and, and trained and played in a couple of games, and the, the manager got the sack, Darren Kelly, and the assistant manager got the, got the team, Jimmy Harvey, and he just said, listen, will you, will you help us out with the team? Because um, I, I haven't got anyone else. And I just said, yeah, I, I will. So I ended up helping out with the team, and I didn't play after that, you know what I mean? I sort of just focused on doing coaching and looking after the team with Jimmy, really. And after that, I've ended up at Spennymoor and I've played the occasional charity game. And I keep saying I might play in the Durham Challenge Cup, but I just haven't gotten around. And I don't really miss not playing. I think you get to a certain point where you think, yes, I played 600 games or whatever. And the time was probably right to maybe say, is that it? Is that enough? And because you're still involved in the game, yeah. I haven't really sat down and sort of think to myself, Jesus, I'm not playing anymore." You know, I haven't really had time to dwell on it. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. I'm still involved and I'm still sort of keeping my mind active and involved with coaching and involving at a decent level with Spenimer. Uh, but there probably will come a time, and I'll maybe look back and think, "Could I have played another year? Could I have done this? Could I have done that?" But certainly at the minute, I'm not dwelling on anything like that, and I'm just keeping myself focused. There. Coaching, yeah, because I last year I started playing for the over 40s. I've never ever been interested, and in, and a lad you might know him, Steph Bowie, rang us and said, Mickey, yeah, um, know the name, yeah, uh, come and come and play. I was like, look, Steph, I've got no interest at all. And then I went and played a couple of games, and I, I, I got to the point where I'm thinking, this could be my last ever chance of playing. You know, I'm gonna get the age <laughs> where it's not ever going to be possible to play again so I played a full season I really enjoyed it and I, yeah. I got like sort of the enjoyment out of playing football again even though yeah, it's been yeah. 10 years since I retired and, and hopefully yeah. we'll get to play again and it, it does bring you back I mean we get changing a porter cabin the toilets don't work and the, the pitches are yeah. crap but it's that little time you know that little time before the game when you're all in yeah. there together and you're listening to what people are saying and it's yeah. enjoyable again. And yeah. for me, it's like I spoke to Collie about it. Collie, I, I coached with Collie, as you know, and he was like, Mickey, what are you doing? Why would you do that? Because Collie yeah. wouldn't, do you know what I mean? And I'm like, I, yeah. enjoy it. I enjoy it, Collie. I enjoy playing yeah, football. Yeah. And I think, yeah. looking back now, I, I probably, I should have gone and played non-league earlier if I could. I remember asking Ken when I took the youth team if I could go and play non-league and do uh-huh. the youth team. 
But he wouldn't have it. He said that if you were going to be a coach, then you had to be a coach. And you had to be a coach. Yeah. I did. Tr- I did try and tell him that I would be looking for scouting for players at the same time while I was playing. <laughs> and all, but he, he he wouldn't have it. <laughs> One thing, Tommy, that you didn't do in your career was play abroad. But was there a time when you could have gone to Norway? I went to Norway and trained with Bram Bergen for a couple of weeks uh, when the Hartlepool season finished. Uh, obviously, IOR had strong links with them, uh, you know, the, with um, the oil stuff and whatever. So I went over there, had two weeks with them. I think they were qualified for the Champions League. Um, and it was a case of just going over, I think, and, and building friendships. I don't think I was ever going to sign there or anything like that. But it, again, it was a different experience. And, um, playing with some decent players, you know, who went on to bigger and better things, uh, who were playing international level as well for Norway, big stars over there, and, and Brand Bergen was was one of the top teams in in Norway at the time. So they sent us Pedersen, and then you you were the return. I was back. I was going to say they they got Tommy and we got Tim Spurovic. <laughs> Big Tim, yeah, and Tim, Thomas Kenny Ball as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had a few. We've had a few. Well, funnily <laughs> enough, I got a message of John Murray just oh, this okay. week. I haven't heard John the physio for a long time, and uh, I got a message of him just Is saying how much. He, yeah, well, yeah, he will be just saying how much he's enjoying the podcasts, and then we we're talking about different yeah. things. And he was talking actually about Craig Harrison, the injury he had, and that Aye. got brought that got brought up at a. At a conference when he was talking to someone at Crystal Palace, but he right. told me that Thomas Tenebo had exactly the same injury that he right. had to treat Thomas's as exactly the same injury that Craig had had. So it was right. like a, a right. funny little link that he'd been listening, but he'd treat the same injury and, and how horrific it was. Him. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah strange was coincidence. Was it, good uh, it must have been a good experience, though, to go over there in, 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 in Norway. Oh, it was expensive. Shot and Corey, you know. <laughs> I went over there, and it was, honestly, I'm telling you now, I think it was a five and a pint, and that was years and years ago. I mean, it's probably about 12 or 15 quid now. It was a great place, great place, Bergen, really nice yeah. place. But I went over with a, a young Rossi, Brian Ross, I don't know if you remember. Brian oh, yeah, Ross, yeah. He was in there. Yeah, yeah. It was a young lad at the time, and he went to like a feeder club as well for Brand Bergen. I can't remember the name of them, and he, he trained with them, and then on a night we would sort of go out and about and just have a little... Uh, look around the place and stuff, but it was very expensive. Um, but, but a lovely place, a lovely place. Well, two spells as a player, Tommy. Um, it would be nice to see you back in the in the Hartlepool dugout as manager one day. We won't rule it out, eh? <laughs> you never know, mate. You never know. <laughs> <do> you? You <laughs> know. <laughs> well, Tommy, thanks very much indeed for joining us. It's been a pleasure to, to hear about your, your memories of your, your playing career and all the time you had in Hartlepool. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us on. You know, I've I've listened to the show the the last sort of six weeks or so, and you've had some great guests on, and uh, it's it's good to see you looking well as well. And obviously <laughs> delighted you've getting the job at Barra. Simon, good man. Absolutely fun. delighted for you. And Mickey, I think we might get you to spend him. We're looking for a centre half. So if you still want to play, mate. Tommy, I can't, mate. Honestly, I'm an attacking midfielder these days. <laughs> <laughs> I played just just there in behind the front two. Everyone wants to play there. Number 10. <laughs> Everyone wants to play there, man. No, I'm more than happy to come along for a trial, Tom. Just give us a ring. <laughs> Make sure it's not as long as what Coops had me on trial for. Yeah? <laughs> I, tell, I tell you what, Higgy had a long trial at our place. Yeah, when Danny, Danny Wilson was a manager. It must have been nearly four months he was on trial. Right. He was about 38 at the time as well, wasn't he? <laughs> Yeah, the <laughs> I think that was the longest one I've ever had, uh, ever seen. Well, good luck with everything when the season does start, Tommy. Uh, and uh, pass you. on our, our love to the family and everyone else, all right? I will and, do. Uh, Thanks very much. 